0: Welcome to TLF Gems, a podcast about customer experience and insight from TLF research. I'm Stephen Hampshire. And I'm Greg Roche. In this episode, we'll be discussing a chapter from our book, Customer Satisfaction. The first chapter, Dispelling the Myths,
1: puts to bed six common misconceptions about measuring customer satisfaction. So, in terms of really going right back to the beginning, and interestingly, chapter one of the book is about dispelling the myths. because, you know customer satisfaction is all about doing best what matters most to your customers. Working on the whole idea that that people like nice things and people don't like things that aren't nice in the world. So um, lots and lots of things have been written about customer satisfaction. In fact if you google customer satisfaction um, it took our rather slow internet connection 0.37 seconds to tell us there was 56 million references <laughs> to the phrase customer satisfaction, which is probably why there's a lot of myths and a lot of different things being, being um, written about it. So chapter one, we're sort of going to try and dispel a few of the, the myths and perhaps get back to the, just the core, you know, the, the, mm. core, the core bit of it.
0: Sounds good. And I wonder how many of those myths that were myths in 2007 are still myths despite our best efforts to dispel them as well.
1: I'm sure, I'm sure loads and probably loads of myths we haven't thought about Indeed. actually. In fact, we should create a myth. Uh, let, 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 let's let, see what let's... we can do. <laughs> okay, but some of the myths that, the, the, the well, what we're going to go through, we're going to talk about a few things. Basically, you know, customer satisfaction is old hat. It's not about satisfaction, it's about loyalty, that's all that matters really. Um, That actually improving the customer satisfaction and loyalty is a difficult thing to do. That might not be a myth, but I think there's some red herrings in there. The fact that actually customer surveys don't work, they're really, really boring. Um, And there are other ways to get customer feedback that is better than customer satisfaction surveys and then one of the things that actually you know conducting surveys is a bad thing it actually reduces customers future satisfaction and loyalty and i think one of the most frequent and perhaps one of the most annoying questions that that have that we are asked is when you're in the sort of the um, prospecting position with a client and they say oh can you send us a case study about how customer satisfaction has made a difference and you sort of think, well, hold on, it obviously makes a, a difference. How, how do you tend to answer that? That's you know that request when someone's looking for the, yeah. the golden bullet.
0: I think I mean, there are some really good case studies in the literature, and you know if you have a, if you go to Harvard Business Review online and, and have a search for customer satisfaction, you'll find lots of good case studies. And we publish lots of good case studies, that, you know, in our magazine, Customer Insight. So yeah, there are some that would sort of meet the brief. I think that the big issue for me is a lot of the a lot of these myths I think fundamentally arise from the fact that people define customer satisfaction too narrowly and, and they see it basically as customer service. I think as soon as you understand that that customer satisfaction is about what used to be called your total product so it's about your product quality yeah. and your service quality and your price and your convenience and everything else that gives value to a customer then it becomes any case study of any business doing well, arguably, it, it sort of by definition is about it meeting its customer needs better than anyone else is doing and therefore being better at customer satisfaction than anyone else.
1: Yeah, it. Um, I sometimes think of even just flipping the question around the other way. Do you want some case studies on how customer dissatisfaction <laughs> has affected organisations <laughs> and, and how that's affected bottom lines or, 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 or performance, but perhaps that's just... Um,
0: that's quite easy you know? yeah
1: <laughs> whether whether people have done it intentionally or unintentionally there's quite a lot of unintentional case studies on that but thinking to ter- in terms of you know customer satisfaction being old hat exactly what you're saying there is it just seems a basic human principle that actually if you make someone happy you know they will behave in a certain way in the future and this is the difference between an attitude and a behavior and if you make someone unhappy they will behave in a different way in the future and understanding which of those behaviors you can leverage, monetize or the way you want people to behave just seems like such a powerful thing for organizations to have and A
0: leads to B you know the attitude leads to the leads to the behavior absolutely I mean that's basic sort of psychology is it's, it's conditioning almost, isn't it? We, we seek out things that feel nice and we avoid things that don't feel nice, so absolutely.
1: Yeah, so I think, you know, in, in, in the time we, we we've been doing these things, you know, the phrase customer satisfaction might be a bit old hat and it might become customer experience or, or, or there's various phrases, but I think it's all just fundamentally about, you know, making people happy so they want to interact with your
0: um, with your business I, agree. I, I think the thing the, the thing I like about the phrase customer experience is that it it helps people see that it's not just about making good things and serving them well it's about the feeling you create in customers and that's that's ultimately your product or service not not whether you make a good widget but whether it the whole process of that works well for your customer so it's a bigger thing mm, yeah it, you know it... and from the customers point of view
1: yeah, we, we've got, um, we're based in Huddersfield, re- lots of really good Indian restaurants, lots of really good Indian takeaways and perhaps the one that did the best food has recently shut down and the food was fab. Customer experience eating the food was fab, but the customer experience of ordering the food was, was difficult, they'd put someone on the telephone who who didn't have a great grasp of English who didn't really know the menu so pretty regularly you didn't actually get the food you'd ordered it was quite nice food but you just hadn't ordered it and you do think there's someone there who'll be thinking their business has failed when they had such a good product Mm. they just weren't seeing the world through the bigger bigger experience
0: like Indian food. I do. There's a new Indian restaurant opening in Almondbury uh, later this month. So uh, touch that was a good one.
1: So in terms of um, people say, well, you know, it's not about satisfaction, it's about loyalty, you know, the marketing three R's of actually, it's just, you know, retention related sales or, or, or referrals. And that argument has probably been further pushed forward by the idea of a net promoter score. Hmm. You know, if there was a single question to measure loyalty, You know, how likely or unlikely would you be to recommend that organisation? And that's sort of the question. I suppose if I had to pick one question, that probably would be the one question.
0: It's certainly a good question. Yeah, we could we could go off on a big tangent about does it work in all markets? No. You know, does it work well in a lot of B two B markets? No. But you know, if you had to pick one for most markets, most of the time, then yeah, it's a good question.
1: Yeah. I think the the problem with that or, or why, you know, if you only measure loyalty is you'll get an answer to the loyalty question. Yeah, mm. I'll be loyal or yeah, or no, I won't be loyal. Um, but the big thing is you don't understand what's driving that mm. loyalty. Um, so I think one of the big things that Stephen and I would sort of major in is actually this isn't all about surveys this is all about driving improvements mm. you know you've got to make your customers more satisfied so therefore you know so you want to make them more loyal so therefore you've got to do something in your organization and it might give some sort of measurement of, of loyalty that I'm sure we'll cover in a, in a later podcast but it doesn't give you what the driver what those satisfaction drivers um, are particularly from the customer's perspective mm.
0: I think and the other thing that I, I don't know if you're going to come back to this later so I, I may be uh, jumping ahead, but one of the, the sort of classic articles that always kind of irritated me um, was this idea that satisfied customers defect, um, which, which is kind of, it's billed as saying, well, therefore satisfaction is worthless. So if even satisfied customers aren't necessarily loyal in the sense of being retained, therefore satisfaction is worthless and it always seems to me that that actually the it, i kind of accept the predicates that some sometimes satisfied customers will defect but i disagree with the conclusion because i think what that tells you is well i think it's two flaws in it one satisfied customers may defect but i bet they do it less often or i bet they're less likely <laughs> to and and b it, it shows you that customers Customers can be loyal. They can th- think warmly about you without necessarily using you as their one and only supplier. Customers enjoy having a portfolio of suppliers sometimes. Customers don't always go to the same restaurant. And that's fine. That's good, even if you're a local restaurant. You, know, you want customers who perhaps are a bit adventurous and will, will also go to the, you know, the Indonesian place down the road yeah. as long as they do keep coming back to you. And they will if you create, keep creating a good customer experience and they're satisfied.
1: Yeah completely completely agree and flipping around the other way do you know what some really dissatisfied customers stay because <laughs> you know, are people rational or not or is it emotion or are people lazy or actually does your product matter that much to them or the service matter that much to them and do you know what you know they're unhappy but they aren't going to move. They're not going to vote with their feet because it's just not worth the time and effort to do it. Um, and I think that is one of the myths, you know, uh, you know, uh, uh, about it doesn't work because some satisfied people leave and, uh, you know, your conclusions are just all absolutely, absolutely fine. Um, one of the other sort of myths that we 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 sort of come across, uh, you know, a, a, a lot is what in terms of it's difficult to sort of improve satisfaction and uh, uh, and loyalty hmm. and I do agree with it a bit but not with I think the reason that a lot of people say it, it's difficult I mean not doing something because it's difficult it seems like a really bad strategy hmm. um, we'd also be living in caves if, if if we just wanted an easy life I guess but um, but I think the, the argument tends to be it's difficult to action things, which I think is often more a reflection of the, the survey methodology and the output of that that's not making it easy to, to action.
0: Yeah, I, th- I think sometimes difficult can be a bit of a difficult word, for one <laughs> a better uh, way of putting it. So it's, it, there's, I think um, I would say improving customer satisfaction is simple but not easy. Um, so it, it, if you've got a good survey and you've you know, approached getting feedback from customers in the right way, knowing what to do can be fairly straightforward. The actual doing of it takes a lot of people working you know, together very hard consistently for a long time. So it's, you know, that's always a difficult thing to do. Figuring out what you need to do, figuring out what customer priorities are and what, you know, where your, your big gaps are, what the big drivers are. If you've got the right sort of survey methodology, that's quite straightforward.
1: Yeah, yeah. And and we'll certainly come and talk about different sort of types of types of survey. And one of the warnings that we put out to a lot of our clients is, you know, surveys are really good for people who like red herrings, you know. It 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 can really um well any information can be dangerous and any partial information can be dangerous and really being able to take a look at all the information, come to the right conclusions is, is a big part of that. And that comes back to having a decent tool, which tends to be a questionnaire. Mm. I mean, good research, asking the right questions to the right people in the right way. And I was trying to think, what would be the most common sort of fault we see when we interact with people? It's probably, they do tend to ask the right people because they tend to ask customers. There's a whole decision-making unit there, but they probably do ask customers. The right way can be a bit of a challenge. People seem hooked on you know a lot of latest fads you know in terms of hey we want to do a survey this way or that way with perhaps with not quite understanding you know response rates and and who's going to reply but i don't know what you think stephen but i'd probably think not asking the right questions is probably the
0: biggest i think um it probably varies in different markets so i think yeah in in the b2b world i think not asking the right questions is probably the biggest problem I think in B2C there's an element of that and also an element of not having the right surveys in place. Um, what do you mean by that? So something that, that is kind of, I think Nigel vaguely alludes to it in this first chapter doesn't really touch on it in, in a lot of detail, but, but the, the kind of getting the right program of customer surveys, so you're combining you know, good tactical research at the right, you know, the right events triggered stuff. Com- and combining that with an ongoing relationship, strategic satisfaction mm-hmm. measurement program. Um, and I think it, it really factors in when we're thinking about how customer attitudes form customer behaviors that then make us money. If you're trying to understand all those links, you really yeah. need to have all the pieces in place and, and kind of be able to build, not quite an equation that, you know, if we pull this lever, we get a million pounds back, but, but all the pieces of that equation. Um, to getting getting the surveys not where it's easy for us to put a survey but where it's important for the customer that a thing has just happened that we need to, to get feedback mm-hmm. on
1: And I guess that's probably one of the things that's changed a bit because 10 or 15 years ago people were saying I'd like a customer survey like I would like some customer feedback coming into the organize mm-hmm. organization most organisations, you know, will have feedback coming in through various different channels. Mm-hmm. Now, some of which they're aware, some of which they're not aware, and there's probably quite a few channels that they're not aware of that are some really reliable, robust feedback. But I, I certainly find myself more and more with clients saying, so what are you trying to get out of this? Mm-hmm. Do you want to get a strategic view? Do you want to have a headline measure? Do you want to link it to financial performance? Or do you want to dive into the areas you know that are making a difference and do customer journey mapping in there or 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 really try and understand the tactical or operational performance at those levels and, and that's a big question to answer yeah. before you get right questions right people right way
0: I think that's right yeah I think over over the last ten years or so, you know you've seen a lot of organizations that are thinking well about this kind of stuff have realized that their customer survey was actually a bit of a bad compromise and you need to break it into, into sort of two different streams So we have. We tend to talk in terms of tactical and strategic, yeah. but you, you might call it event-driven or transactional and relationship as well. It's, it's really that kind of the big picture, how do how customers out there feel about this and how does that affect their buying decisions essentially? That's the sort of strategic level and tactical level. How does what we do at the front line affect how customers feel? Um, and that's the, the two sides of the kind of chain of, of you know, what we do, how customers feel, what they do. It, you can't join it all into one survey, it just doesn't work.
1: Yeah, because we're trying to link, I suppose, two different things together. You know, How does a series of day-to-day interactions, thoughts, moments, how does that all manifest itself into a big attitude? Um, and they really are different things and different tools are needed to measure them in different, you know, in you know, in in different ways. So that's probably quite a long winded bit in terms of it isn't easy Mm. but done in the right way, I think it can be simple and it can you can have a really good um, game plan. And and I suppose one of the things I'm thinking about is it's getting the momentum going with a lot of the clients and you know we've both been working for some clients for well over 10 years who have seen their customer satisfaction index or how satisfied their customers are really go up mm. and it's years one two and three that are the tough ones it, it's you know i'm trying to avoid like you know, with the weather we've had having about snowballs and pushing them downhill and gathering momentum but that's really what it's you know it is it, it probably is hard work in years one or two mm. but i think once that momentum culture happens that's probably a bit a bit easier
0: yeah i think there's momentum internally and and there's kind of belief with customers as well it's all part of we, we end up talking about feedback and closing the loop and all those things but if you can make visible change as a result of the survey and customers see that then everyone buys into into the process and everyone is more likely um to sort of well it, it just keeps going you, you get that sense of momentum that this this stuff works customer satisfaction surveys work and they they make the world better for everyone so, so what about the thought process that well
1: actually customer satisfaction surveys you know you're pestering people particularly today every time i go on the website to get asked to do a survey every time i interact every time i buy something someone wants my feedback you know what about the you know the challenge or the myth that actually customer satisfaction reduces sorry customer surveys reduce
0: satisfaction loyalty? I think I think bad ones probably do. Um, so <laughs> so there's no question there is sort of like a slightly strange thing for for someone in my profession to say, but I think there are too many customer satisfaction surveys in the world. You know I think we need fewer better surveys. Um, we need to think all of this collectively harder about. Instead of just going, oh yeah, let's fire out an email survey. Well, as you said before, exactly. What are we trying to do this for? What are we trying to learn? What's our objective here? How much of a sort of there's almost, I think, an ethical duty that if you're going to ask a customer for five minutes, ten minutes, God forbid, twenty minutes of their time, <laughs> that, that, that you do something with it that that you know is worth at least that to them in terms of you know improved customer experience, improved value. Um, so I do think. Um, we should all examine our consciences a little bit about, you know, is, is the right answer here to send out 300,000 emails and, you know, hope for a 15% response rate? Or is it to think a bit harder about how we could get the insight we really need about this particular journey or whatever it is? Because fundamentally, if you say to someone,
1: you've had an experience with us. I want to listen to you. I'm interested to hear your view of that. I'm not gonna judge. I want to genuinely hear your view of that. Because you know what? I want to make it better next time. And I promise I'm gonna do something
0: based on the feedback that you give me.
1: That's a fab thing. Yeah. For both sides. For both sides. Well, I
0: guess as, as proof that it's not about the re- resource that you're asking for customers or the time commitment, it's about whether they see the value you know, what's what's the average response rate for uh, an email invitation to a web survey? Off the top of India, I'm going to quote you on this. 10%. Let's yeah. say it's 10%. What's the average participation rate in a B2B depth interview that's going to take three quarters of an hour? What, face-to-face? Face-to-face. Oh, I'd
1: say 53 quarters, 75%.
0: Absolutely. <laughs> Which of those is a bigger time commitment? <laughs> yes, you're doing this very cleverly, Stephen. I feel you're steering <laughs> me. Yes, obviously the face-to-face. So I think that this makes your point. I think customers don't mind taking part in research when they see the value of it. Um, and it's very easy for a B two B customer to see that an hour of their time, hopefully, will pay off. Um, that's you know that's the, the trust that they're having in the process that it will pay off, and, and you probably you probably create quite a lot of angry customers if it didn't. But but they do believe that them interview process you know, that hour of their time will pay off, you know handsomely in in a better customer experience going forward, um, and that's that's it's actually quite enjoyable process I think for them.
1: I tend to find every time you do a depth interview, every time you do a focus group, which would be similar, an hour mm. and a half of someone's, someone's time, you have to have your icebreakers in the beginning of the room there's a lot of crossed arms <laughs> and people wondering what it's all about. But usually at the end, most often people say, do you know what, I found this really interesting. Mm. And I think it's, it's the genuineness, it's, it's the sincerity, it's, it's the fact that something is trying to be done better for everyone in the room. It, it, it's, it's just genuine, it's authentic. Mm. And, you know, and I think if you set up a survey to, with honor, trust, authenticity, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's gonna be fab, you know, yeah. and that's why customer satisfaction surveys
0: work when done, work when done properly. Mm. I do think there's an interesting point, it's maybe a bit of an academic point, I think, but there's an interesting point that's made in the book which is you know, what research has been done in this field tends to suggest that actually taking part in surveys makes customers happier rather than less happy. Um, I think it, it also shows that they become more active judges of your performance. So to some extent, doing lots right. of surveys does train people to, be, to think about it as it's happening. Um, and that tends to be good if you're quite good, and it tends to be bad if you're quite bad. So, so it, it is probably something to think about that you are, you know, the more of your customers you survey, the more of them are thinking, eh, I'll, I've noticed that, that good thing that happened during the experience, or I'll make sure to, you know, punish them when the NPS score comes around <laughs> on the IVR. So it is worth thinking about the impact that that has. Um, as I say, I think it's probably more of an academic point than a real... Practical yeah. day-to-day question: What
1: what's your view on you know not just on bad research, but whether p- people you know are going to do a survey and not follow up on the actions, the organisation is going to not follow up on the actions when you're when you're there and there's this big job and you're you're about to have the order placed in your hand and they say but we're not going to do anything as a result of it. Hmm. What thought goes
0: through your your moral mercenary mind? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, I it there's a few. There is. There is a kind of ethical question. I, I think it is important as researchers that we're always aware that we're asking customers to to you to give us some of their time, usually for free, you know, without any recompense. That, and that's if that's a waste of time, then that's that's you know a bit of a breach of trust. I think. Yeah. Um, and it, yeah, I do think it's incumbent on all of us in the industry to think about those things. I think that the more important from, from a kind of personal question, I, I guess the, the thought that goes through my mind is more along the lines of, well, this is going to be a one year client then, which is, uh, you know, we won't be back here next year or if we are, we won't be back the year after that because the survey well, the scores will not have gone up. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I really don't see the point of doing a customer survey unless you intend to do something with it. Um, it's it's just a waste of money, isn't it? And and a, a, it'll do more harm than good. Yeah,
1: I mean, I think we always say, you know, you're raising an expectation yeah. externally by doing with customers by by doing a survey, which you're not going to deliver on. But I think more and more, what's dawned on me is you're also raising an expectation internally. You know, why are we doing this? You know, what's the point in getting all this information if you're not going to act on it? You know, act on it, and that just as. You know, as a manager and a leader, is just not a good way to run an organisation. Yeah. Particularly, as everyone sort of knows, customers are quite important. So, if you're not going to do it with customers, yeah, what about you know your your whole style of management and leadership?
0: Well, it just undermines you know your your brand value that says customers come first, um, just like everyone else's does, <laughs> is completely undermined if you show by ignoring a customer survey that that they don't even come you know fifth. Yeah. Um, they're not really on the radar at all.
1: Okay, so um, interesting way to start a book, just by dissing lots of other, <laughs> dissing the subject that the that you've then that, that we've then got over two hundred pages <laughs> written on. But hopefully, what we've done there is to perhaps answer some of the common questions or challenges that 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 we get with people before they go into the world of customer satisfaction measurement. So what we'll start looking at for the next time is the flip side of that. What are the benefits of doing a customer satisfaction survey? What are you trying to get out of it?
0: Thanks for listening. You can find us on Twitter at TLF Research or at tlfresearch.com.